I hope you're doing well. I hope you had an amazing, fantastic week. This week's Shear is sponsored by the Hassan Zaltz Law Firm, by Meridian Senior Health, and Bluestone Brokerage. To sponsor, to dedicate a Shear, the podcast, the publication, please reach out to 845-367-2959. There's an incredible story told over about the famed Rav Mendel Futerfas, the famous venerated Chabadzker Mashpia. One time in Siberia on a cold winter day, Rav Mendel was sitting in a cell in detainment along with an inmate, another Yid, and his fellow Yid came to Rav Mendel in the afternoon and said, Rav Mendel, I want a bracha from you. So Rav Mendel said, for what? And he said, tonight I am planning the big escape. And Mendel looked at him as if he fell off a truck, off the moon. He said, are you crazy? He said, at least if you're in here, at least there's a chance of survival. But the second you try to escape the barbed wire, the security, the security towers, you're dead. There's no chance of survival. Why would you do such a crazy thing? To which the inmate replied, he said for the past while, every day, there's a certain wall that I make holes in a circular form. And all that wall needs is one good push, one knock. And tonight I plan on barging through and that wall is going to collapse. And I'm going to just run and run as fast as I can. And Armando says, what do you mean? But there's guards and there's dogs. And he said, I have it all worked out. I cheshmed it out. He said, I know exactly at 4.30 in the morning, the guards are at their post and the dogs are away, and this is my one chance. But Mendel is still taken aback by this man's crazy plan. But nevertheless, Rav Mendel gave him his bracha, said, and Hashem should help you. 4.30 the morning came, and Rav Mendel was up. He was ready to see how this escape would go. And the man, the inmate, he got up, put on his shoes, and barged through that wall with the holes that he made over the past few weeks. And he barged through it, knocked on the wall, the wall collapsed. And Armando couldn't believe it. He got through and he started running and running and running through large fields. And Armando couldn't believe it. He actually made it through until all of a sudden the inevitable happened. Finally, the dogs heard what was going on and the dogs took off and they chased after this inmate. And the inmate was running, and finally the dogs caught up to him, and he knew his life was about to be over. Yet he came prepared for the worst. And miraculously, somehow, he got hold of two pieces of meat, and he took those pieces of meat and he flew them as far as he possibly could behind him. And he was able to divert the attention of the dogs. And the dogs immediately turned around and went for the meat. And Nisei Nisim, this inmate, was able to run away to his liberation. He escaped to freedom. When the guard got hold of what just happened, that an inmate actually escaped the high security cell, the guard took out his gun and shot the dogs dead. The next morning when the guard was coming around, Rav Mendel asked the guard, he said, I don't understand. He said, you lost an inmate. An inmate was able to run by and get past you. I understand you were upset. I understand you would attempt to kill the running away, the fleeing inmate. But I simply don't understand. Why on earth did you kill the highly trained, 
dogs, these security dogs that you invested so much time and effort, years of training. How can you just kill them like that? Are you just angry? You let your emotion overtake you? And now you don't have the dogs. What's the shot? And the guard answered to Remendel as follows. He said, these dogs are trained for battle, for the worst case scenario. They're trained for the highest security, as you just said, as you realize. He said, if these dogs' attention, after all this training, after all the years of practice and drills, can be completely distracted, and all of its attention can be taken away from the goal, could be completely diverted off track for a couple pieces of meat, he said, they are absolutely deemed worthless. Not only don't we need them, not only won't we retrain them, but they have absolutely no purpose and they will absolutely not be able to benefit us. So they might as well be dead. Rav Mendel, the Helig Mashpia would say, as schwer, as hellish as it was living those years in Siberia, he said those were the most meaningful and impactful years of his entire life. And he said this specific instance, this encounter with the guard, taught him the most valuable lesson of life, which is, we're here in this world, we're here to stay focused on the end goal. As Perkyavah says, This world, this momentary fleeting world, it's 120 years, but it's fleeting in comparison to eternity. is only compared to a prezder, to a hallway, to an entrance, to a foyer. But Ilam Haba is Daimel Traklin. The next world is the palace. Instead of Mendel, we have to make sure that all of our emotional kuchis hanefesh, all the choices we make, the daily battles that we fight, the struggles that we encounter, they're constant, they're limitless, and they're hard. They're hard to overcome, they're hard to walk out triumphant. But nevertheless, the is we have to realize we cannot lose focus. We have to stay focused on the end game. We have to stay focused on our mission. And like these dogs that were killed, because they completely got diverted, thrown off track by a few pieces of meat, so to us, the Itzahara throws lots of meat at us, ceaselessly trying to divert our attention and to squander our plans, our she'ifas of greatness. And he throws us a gashmias and cars and watches and houses and money. And while these things are important and we need them to get through but it's not more than that. And all the Yitzhah heart wants is for us, like those dogs, to just forget about the end goal, forget about our job, and turn back. Abort mission. There's something more important. There's money. There's taivas. There's food. There's things to look at. And the Yitzhah heart, all he wants, all he yearns for, is for us to trip over our own two feet, for us to completely forget, become completely blind towards the end goal. And trade the Chaye Oilam for the Chaye Shah. Trade the end goal, the eternity, eternal bliss, the Traklin, the kingdom, the palace that we're here to build in this world for the next. And give it up or for fleeting, momentary, false pleasures. In this week's parasha, Parshas Mishpatim, we encounter the Avid Ivri, the Jewish bondsman, which is an individual who has a consequence of theft is sold by the Bezdin in order to generate funds to compensate his victims. Now, following those six years of service, the owner, the Bailim, is mechuyiv to free this Eved. He's mechuyiv to emancipate him. 
Now, the Torah tells us something very interesting. The halacha of Rev Ivri is that if he wants to stay with the service, he wants to stay with the master and the family, there's a protocol for that as well. The Pasuk says, The slave says, I love my master, I love my wife and children, and I don't want to go free. What happens is, They take the servant, they take the Evid to a doorpost, and they pierce his ear, and through this, he remains an Evid, he remains a servant forever. Now the reason for this unique, perhaps bizarre protocol, piercing his ear, we don't find this anywhere else as a punishment. So the Mechilta explains, the reason is because this is the ear that didn't listen at our Sinai, because at our Sinai he was told, if don't steal, and this man went and he stole, and now he has to go and solicit funds and raise funds to pay back these victims, and now he got so comfortable, and he's living a completely wayward, wrong not Torah life. So for this, we bore that ear that didn't listen at our Sinai. Now the Rishonim ask a very fundamental, basic kasha, which is, why is this punishment reserved for the moment when he renews his commitment to servitude? If there's an issue with being an Evid, then the punishment should be administered immediately. Right when he becomes an Evid, we should pierce his ear. We should say, You weren't supposed to steal. So now, I'm sorry, you have to go and you have to work and it's very sad, you have to raise funds, you're a poor guy. But if you did something inherently wrong, if this Evid did something that was against the Torah, that was against the Luchas, his ear didn't listen at the Kabbalah's Torah, we should go and penalize him, punish him right away. Why do we wait for the end of the six-year term to only then punish him? The Kliyakar, as well as the Svas Emes, provide phenomenal insight into this question which sheds light on the whole parsha of Eved Ivri, as follows. The Torah gives the Eved Ivri the opportunity to go work as an Eved because he needs to raise funds. He doesn't have any money. And he has to go pay back his victims. Although he did something wrong at that point, people fall. People give in to their temptations. People need money. And we're not here to justify Gneva Chas V'Shalom. But these things happen. And the Torah realizes that. And therefore it even gives... The halachas, it talks about this not ideal situation where a person has succumbed and he went and stole and now he has to go and sell himself. So says the Kliyakar, says the Sasemes, we're not going to punish him at that point. We're not going to bore his ear. He he, listened, he he forgot. He succumbed. The Yitzhahara overcame. That happens. That's something that Hashem created into the fibers of this world. However, when the six-year period comes to an end, now he has a choice. He has a choice to make. Am I going to go back? Am I going to integrate back into society? Am I going to go and live on my own two feet as a Torahic and Erlich Yid and never do this again? Or am I already relaxed and used to my situation? I'm already used to my master. I'm already used to my wife and kids and this situation. And I don't want to make new commitments and resubjugate myself to the higher, to the highest authority of Hashem. And I'm good over here. There's less mitzvahs. I don't have to do as much. So you know what? I'm very comfortable. I'm going to stay over here. Says the Sfasema. Says the Kliyakar. At this point, at this junction, this is the greatest manifestation that he really doesn't care. This retroactively reveals that his ear that was supposed to hear at Harsinai 
I was supposed to accept the luchas and the mouth that said Nasev and Nishma. He said Nishma. He said, I'm going to hear. At this point, this choice that he makes of the Haftiyas Adoni Vesishti to stay in his current situation and not up the ante and not strive for more. Instead of using the time of his servitude as a rehabilitation and to heal and to cure himself to ultimately come back to being an Evet HaKadosh Baruch Hu instead, he uses that as his ideal way of life. There's no greater azus, there's no greater brazen choice to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than that. There's no greater revelation that his ear didn't hear, that his heart didn't internalize the message, the commitment that he made with his mouth, but more so that his ear just didn't hear, he didn't let his ear penetrate to his heart. Nasav Nishma didn't go through. Leisignev didn't really go through. This is all revealed only now, when he has the opportunity after six years to choose right or left. Am I going back to my avid life? Am I going back to working for some guy, for some boss of a dumb? Or am I going to choose higher? Am I going to choose greater? Am I going to go against the grain and get back into Torah and mitzvahs? And the avid Ivri failed that test. He chose wrong. And for that wrong decision, we pierce his ear. This Evid Ivri forgot what's truly important in life. This Evid Ivri chose poorly. And for that, he'll walk around for the rest of his life with a hole in his ear, symbolic of this poor choice. No different than the dogs in Siberia that were killed because they couldn't keep their mind on the game. They couldn't keep their mind on the end goal, on the prize. They had a mission. And for a few pieces of meat, they turned around after all the years of training. When it came down to actuality, to practicality, they failed miserably. The evidence is no different. He had the choice, the power was in his hand, to choose a life of eternity over over the easier, lazy river approach. And he failed. We pierce his ear. And during Shoivavim, which is the time of Tshuva, to turn back, to reassess, to recalibrate, and to prioritize our values and what's important in life and the choices we make. Now is the time to think, what side are we on? What are the choices we're making? Along with Rishchadish Adar as well, it's a time of Hadakiblu Mahava. It's a tremendous time of Simcha, of Tshuva. Usually we try to keep the two things separate. Adar's Adar, and let's enjoy that. And Tshuva's for El. But here we are, Shaivim, we have everything together, the culmination, the synthesis of Tshuva and Ahava. This is the highest Madrega. What a special time. Tshuva me Ahava. We have Adar, we have Tshuva. And it's a time to realize that we made choices as a nation when we were Hadakablu me Ahava. We went and we accepted the Torah during this time. And we have the Ebed Ivri to remind us not to fail in bad choices and Chas Vashon pay for those the opportunity of choices to make throughout our day, throughout the week, throughout our life is endless. Every moment there's always a choice. We always are thinking and calculating back and forth and we're not going to win everyone. We're not going to be triumphant in every choice. But the goal is to live higher, to live exalted, to live for Hashem, to live helig, not to succumb and have our attention diverted when the Satan throws us pieces of meat pieces of Gashmias to throw us off kilter, rather to overcome, to come back with resilience and resolve and say, I'm better. We're the Amanivchar. We have an Neshama Tahira. 
We're living here for an exalted, higher purpose. We're living for the next world. We're living for the connection with HaGadosh Baruch Hu. And we're living to bring Him Nachas Ruach. And we're living for the palace. We're living for the kingdom. We're living for our eternity. So even though it looks like we're in this world, but we're really here for the next. Let us be mindful of these Yisoyedis. And may we all go together. May we bring Nachas Ruach Le'etzeinu. May Hashem redeem us from Pidus Navshenu from the misery we're going through collectively as a nation, as a klal. May Hashem bring the ultimate geula. May these times be changed from Yagen Lesimcha, Benapachu, from all the tsaras we're enduring. And may we dance together with the greeting of Mashiach Zedkenu, B'mher V'yomenu, Amen. I thank each and every one of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And I wish you all a wonderful Shabbos and a good Chodesh.